This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. First up today, a roundtable on deepening democracy in Malaysia is currently being held in Parliament and our very own Sharad was there on the ground uh, you know, to, to let us know what's what. Yeah, I was there uh, this morning uh, along with uh, Dashran Yuan from uh, The Bigger Picture. And uh, it's a two-day uh, session that's being held in the Dewan Pasidangan, which is not the, the main parliament. It's, it's, this is parliament, as it were, the, the entire complex of buildings, including the Senate. And But it looks like, and it's modeled on your parliament. Mm. Um, and uh, it was called because, as you know, today is also the fifth anniversary of those breakthrough uh, uh, general elections in 2018. So very significant because it shifted us away from uh, one coalition dominance in our politics. So, yeah, it's it's significant on all these levels. Um, It's about how do we get further in our journey towards becoming a fully democratic society and nation? So, um, as I think you can kind of glean from the topics that the the roundtable is hoping to cover, there are foreign and local experts, there are political leaders from various parties, uh, civil society leaders, academics, think tank leaders, youth and student groups, as well as, of course, media practitioners. And I think um, it is... you know, you can't call something a roundtable if you're not going to get a significant chunk of views from different folks, right? So, I mean, it sounds pretty exciting. What was it like there today? Um, you know, it, actually, the proceedings began last night at a, at a small, a smallish dinner uh, hosted um, by Bursay and the Kofi Annan Foundation for all these guests. Some of them are flying from quite a distance. Today, you know, it proceeded as many things, uh, you know, it, there were some delays, but I think what what was essential is you did see in the room people from all sides of the divide in Malaysia. You had uh, Saifuddin Abdullah from uh, Parikata National. Uh, you had, um, um, I can't remember exactly, there was somebody from Amno today, but Azalina Osman Said is going to be there tomorrow. Uh, there was there, and, and these are also key players in some of the legal reforms that we've seen in this country the last four years. So significant individuals, including, I think, uh, I was quite surprised to see a senator from Sarawak who asked a very interesting question about regionalism. Uh, so, yeah, quite a variety of people, over 100, I think 150 people were there in attendance. So we are going to be hearing from a number of those uh, speakers that were at today's event. Um, and for what it's worth, the theme of that roundtable is to explore opportunities and solutions to deepen democracy in Malaysia in light of a hung parliament. Uh, what we'd like to hear from you on, though, is uh, really something that will make a little bit more sense when you hear uh, the clips. But the question we're asking you, should we be thinking about politics like we think about sports? Send your answers through. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back after this with more on the uh, roundtable on uh, democracy that is currently happening in Parliament. So keep it here, BFM eighty nine point nine. Beats, funk, mixtapes. BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station. 
It is 5.12. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. And we're talking about a roundtable that is currently happening called Deepening Democracy in Malaysia, organized by Bursay, the Kofi Annan Foundation and Global Bursay. Sharad was there today. Um, and so uh, he's been speaking. He, along with Dashran from The Bigger Picture, have been speaking to a number of the guests and uh, speakers who were present. So we'll be hearing from them very shortly. But we'd like to hear from you as well, should we be thinking about politics like we think about sports? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. So first up, we spoke to Thomas Fan, who is chairman of Bursay, about why it's necessary to think about deepening democracy in Malaysia. Here's that clip. So, uh, as we all know, after the last uh, general election, we have a hung parliament situation. And I think the most important question really uh, that need answers is that how can post-election coalition uh, government work together? Because you have now a situation where parties that used to be against each other, uh, but now they are partners um, due to the situation. So we want to explore some of the political solutions or mechanism that has been used in some more advanced or more mature democracy in Europe, uh, Canada or Australia um, because they have gone through all those situations and they have come to a place where they are not anxious when there is a hung parliament but they sit down uh, and negotiate a coalition that are stable, that are sustainable for the full term. So I think this is where we are uh, as a country. We need solutions and answers um, to the most pressing issue because if we don't have solutions, what will happen is that there will be constant talk of Sheraton move. Sheraton move 2.0, 3.0. And, uh, and, and that seems to be like the only idea that people have how to seize power. But I think it is time we have an opportunity now to uh, uh, address this issue so that we can move forward as a country. Because unless politics is settled, uh, we cannot settle the other important issue of economic recovery, uh, climate change and all the other important issues. Because the politicians will be just thinking, how can I stay in power? And they will be doing things that are populist, that are not helpful to the country. So uh, this, to me, this round table uh, is the start of a very important exploration for solutions. Now, according to Corinne Momal Vanian, uh, who is the executive director of the Kofi Annan Foundation, Malaysia is heading in the right direction. Despite a global context where we see a democratic recession, we asked her what she believes are the underlying reasons for this recession. Well, Kofi Annan already said it he, uh, a few years ago. He noted that democracies have not always delivered for every citizen. I mean, what counts is for people to feel that their interest as, as citizens are taken care of. And it's not always the case. And at the moment, we've seen that in particular, um, food inflation around the world has really affected people everywhere, everywhere, in Africa, in Europe, in Asia. 
um, and people are, are feeling the difference in their daily lives. So the first thing that's driving distrust and discontent is simply the, the daily difficulties that people face. And the second thing that we've seen is the polarization of political discourse um, around the world, driven in, in part, but not only by social media. And this is why a coalition government is so important in a positive way, because it can actually decrease polarization. That happens in many countries where where two parties oppose each other and, and see an interest in increasing the divides. In a coalition government in many, in many countries, on the contrary, you are forced to uh, reach compromise with your coalition partners. And this can really help decrease this polarization. So I would say these two things are driving, unfortunately, a democratic recession in many countries, polarization and just the sheer difficulties that people face on a daily basis. That was Karine Momalvanian, Executive Director of the Kofi Annan Foundation, uh, talking about whether Malaysia is headed in the right direction. Um, now, moving on, BFM's Dashan Johan, who was also at the event today, and he asked Anusha Rim from Makakami about adequate women representation in a properly functioning democracy. So, Anusha, uh, what do you think is the importance of having adequate women representation in a proper functioning democracy? And from the speeches you heard today, especially from international um, speakers, what do you think is lacking in Malaysia? Okay, um, for your first question, I think that it's important to have uh, women's representation and meaningful participation uh, in, in our country, of course. Because, well, first of all, representation matters. Because if we don't have the sort of the, the women representation, then how can we expect our personal lived experiences to be translated into policies, you know, things that we as women or not even just women, just society in general that, that need to be translated into policy. So um, definitely what I think that Malaysia could improve on based on uh, the session today would be to think about how can we include more meaningful participation and not purely just representation and um, you know we are all the, the main challenge here is that we need to find a way to include not just women but also younger women to include young people to include um, women from all sorts of backgrounds diversities to include people uh, with dis disabilities and just to make sure that it is all encompassing and diverse so that this can all be translated into policy that works for us all. That was Anusha Rim from Makar Kami speaking on uh, female representation in a democracy. Uh, so Dash also spoke to Ira Azhari, Senior Manager of the Democracy and Governance Unit at Ideas, about the cost of democracy. Uh, here's a bit of that. So Ira, democracy has a cost, um, as mentioned by a number of speakers today. Uh, they talked about how you know elections can cost up to a billion dollars, like in Malaysia it costs up to a billion ringgit sometimes. Some might say that it's money better spent elsewhere, such as on people's welfare. Um, how would you respond to that? So I don't think it's mutually exclusive. Um, you know, the the money that the state has, uh, you know, needs to be spent um, in 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 several ways, and I think we should not discount how much. Uh, 
resources you need to put in for a well-functioning democracy. So if you look at countries where they have different election systems than ours, so some of them have uh, a proportional representation system, um, you know, that might even cost uh, even more money because they will have more candidates running. Um, so I think it's not about more or less money, but I think it's about realizing that if we want a healthy and mature democracy, then it it doesn't come for free, right? So the election commission needs resources to carry out these things. And um, for example, we always complain about how our postal voting system is, uh, you know, really dysfunctional. Ballot papers arrive even after the election sometimes to our voters overseas. So things like this, one of the reasons why this happens is because not enough resources has been invested into postal voting. So I would say that, um, you know, of course we shouldn't be taking it for granted is spending like extravagant amounts of money on elections but we also should realize that just like with everything else in life you know if you invest the appropriate amount of resources then you will get the return so um yeah so i think that um realizing this is an important part of a, of a democracy and we should not take for granted on how much it actually um, actually costs and as Malaysians you know if we want a better functioning system we need to realize that more money needs to go into it so um, today former Australian Labour MP Chris Hayes um, he mentioned something interesting which was democracy is flawed but it's the best system of governance we have um, how would you res uh, contextualize that, um, especially given that you know many people, many Malaysians point to countries like Singapore, which is yes a, a democracy, and it, in an essence people get to vote, but it is a one-party state with very little room for dissent, no room for dissent. Um, and then you've got the rise of China, an economic powerhouse. Also, they don't have a liberal democracy, mm -hmm. no elections. So how would you frame that, like the importance of democracy, given that, especially in Malaysians, um, people, Malaysians often talk about how tired they are about politics. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, when we think about democracy, we always think about democracy as a system where you can choose your leader, right, through elections. But I think what we often forget is what a democracy is, is it actually also gives us the right to remove the leaders that we that we don't like or who are cruel or is not uh, fulfilling their promises, for example. So, you know, in the countries that you mentioned, like China and Singapore, where you have one-party authoritarian rule, um, not only do you get limited choices on who uh, can become your leader, but once they are there, I mean, what's the accountability mechanism, right? So they can sort of just do whatever they want and get away with it and just have zero accountability. And history has shown that, you know, we've had countless leaders, uh, politicians um, over the decades, over the centuries even, who abuse their power and some even, you know, kill their own people. Uh, so I don't think we want to live in a system like that. And uh, and this is why it's important to remember um, the essence and the principles of a democracy beyond just, you know, voting or, uh, you know, think of democracy as just like MPs fighting in parliament. You know, it's a lot more than that. It's about um, yeah, it's about uh, our rights as citizens and it is about uh, the need for us to keep our leaders accountable and the room that we have. So in, in, in a healthy and proper, well-functioning liberal democracy, uh, we should be able to um, firstly criticize uh, our leaders and you know, express our dissatisfaction and uh, vote them out if we need to.
That was Ira Zari from Ideas. Now, last week we spoke to Dr. Wong Chinwat, political scientist from Sunway University, about the pitfalls in our political culture that need to be remedied if we want to mature as a democratic nation. Well, we need to move away from thinking politics as if like it is a war. We need to instead think of it as sports where we compete, but we do not try to kill the competitors. Or commerce, where we compete, but often we also collaborate because the market is so big that no one can take up everything. Right? So what we need is for the politicians to become more pragmatic, more professional, that such that in their competitions, whoever wins, we, the citizens, would win because we get the best uh, policy out of their competition. So that requires us to be much more honest and balanced, to not see whoever who disagree with us as enemies, as either wicked or stupid. We need to recognize society consists of many different segments with competing interests. And for a democracy to work, all these interests need to be activated and then come together for a compromise. And that's what this golden opportunity that we have now because our parliament is hung. When no parties control a simple, simple majority, they have to work together to form government. That means we might have a chance to evolve into like German politics where politicians and political parties have to balance between two different needs. One is product differentiation. To be as different as possible from your next rival so that voters have a reason to come out to vote for you. Second is to manage the programmatic incompatibility. Because after elections, you need to form government if you are so different from your competitors, no one will want to work with you. And then you never get a chance to be in government. So when politicians and political parties have to balance between these two, that we have to be different from each other, yet not too different, until we cannot sit on the same table, politics would be very different. At that point, politics would no longer be dangerous, as dirty, as difficult as we see today. Today, when we think about politics as dangerous, difficult, and dirty, we subconsciously think this is a job that we should leave to some foreign labor. That was Dr. Wong Jin Huat, political scientist from Sunway University, using uh, quite an interesting analogy to um, this this talking about politics the way we talk about sports. And uh, that's, in fact, what we'd like to hear from you on. Should we be thinking about politics like we think about sports? Teams that may oppose each other, but in the end, uh, playing the same game. Rather with the than same rules. With the same rules. Um, do weigh in. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, we're talking about this because uh, a roundtable is currently on 
ongoing uh, called Deepening Democracy in Malaysia. We'll be back after this for more of your thoughts. Um, so uh, keep them coming. Once again, that question we're asking you, should we be thinking about politics like we think about sports? Call us, send us a voice note, WhatsApp us, tweet us. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Beautiful festive moments. BFM 89.9, the business station. It is 5.38. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. We've been talking about a roundtable that's currently ongoing uh, called Deepening Democracy in Malaysia, uh, jointly organised by Berse as well as the Kofi Annan Foundation. Um, and we've heard from a number of the speakers that are part of the event. Uh, we will be hearing more tomorrow, in fact. Uh, but we are asking you, should we be thinking about politics like we think about sports. Now, this comes from a um, an analogy that was floated by Dr. Wong Chin Huat, political scientist, Sharad. Yeah, so it begins with Chin Huat saying that currently we operate largely in the framework of thinking of politics as a battle, as, as war. Uh, and, you know, in a war, you, you, you conquer, you, you kill your enemy, you demonize them, and so on and so forth. This is the downside to this is that it's doesn't address our current situation of, of a deeply fragmented parliament where there's there's a need for cooperation. So he says, we need to think like either sports people do, which is that you're competitive, but uh, you do so in a way with certain uh, rules that we're all familiar with in sports, which is that there's a winner and there's a loser, and losers uh, you know, can be good losers, and they accept that they've lost, and they, they wait for the next turn. The other thing that he, the other analogy is extends it is talking about commerce and he says in commerce um, you know you also uh, you, you're open to collaboration when it benefits both sides so that's what he's trying to get at he's saying we need to shift and there is already a sense a shift that's happened, the, the unlikely pairing of Pakatan Harapan and Barisan National. Who would have thought just, you know, uh, five years ago that this was possible? So that we're in the works, but he's saying we need to, and, and a lot of the other people, of course, at the session today, you know, we need to think creatively about how to strengthen this tendency for uh, towards collaboration. So I, I want to kind of extend that to the role that the people play in this setup, right? Right? Because Chinwat was referring particularly to political operators, political parties. Uh, but for those of us who aren't in political parties, who instead uh, play the role of voting and, and uh, commentating, whether on air or just anywhere, because Malaysians talk about politics everywhere, um, I, I think I wonder where that analogy goes. Because my initial thinking was that it's hard for people to think about watching politics like sports, because. Um, uh, because sports is seen as, you know, entertainment and, and such. And, you know, politics is sometimes seen as more life and death. Um, you, you feel like it's an existential threat or like something fundamental about your life is going to change. But then I realised that I haven't been a hardcore sports fan in a while and that truthfully, there are sports fans who approach games in that way as well. That if something bad happens in this match or race or whatever it may be, that it affects you also on that very like fundamental cellular level. So um, I, I'm not sure. I mean, commerce, I think, is another thing, partly because people are uncomfortable. So I think that the, the analogy is really interesting because I do think people are uncomfortable with the mention of commerce in relation to politics, even though the analogy is sound, um, because it introduces the concept of money. 
Okay, so uh, again, it's an analogy and it's limited in its function, right? So I, I think that, one, I don't think Chinwat is saying that we should be spectators uh, mm. in, with regard to uh, national no, no, politics. Not. He's not yeah. saying that. He's saying that the players within uh, within the political field have to, uh, one, they recognize the rules of the game because they, they, uh, they have violations and there's a referee there and so on and so forth. But the more important thing is that uh, you're not out to kill. You're out to uh, beat and win and triumph over them in that particular game, right? And you're not certainly not trying to shift everything so that those those competitors never come back on the field. You're not trying to wipe out the competition. You know, in fact, you live in a world for the other teams because they add to the vibrancy of the of the sport, right? If you have more teams, so I mean that I think is what uh, he's sort of saying we need to do in terms of a mindset shift. And of course, that comes with it the uh, call for. I would think, or the expectation that certain things need to happen for the political playing field to be as level as one would assume the sporting playing field would be. So access to media, um, you know, how, who is allowed to say what? Because if I like that part about the rules should be played, the, the rules should be the same for everybody, which is something that for us, for better or worse, isn't always the case. When you're in the opposition, you're not actually given um, the kind of access. Um, in many cases, you're not uh, certainly not allowed to campaign uh, with as much funding or resources as the government parties might. So I find it interesting also not just as um, an analogy, but also uh, almost a, a set of ideals that our politics should be aspiring towards. We're getting plenty of thoughts on this already. Uh, do keep them coming. We're asking you, should we be thinking about about politics like we think about sports. You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, and now some messages. So, um, let's see. I, I like this one from Shamil who says, oh yeah, we should talk about politics like how we talk about sports. It's fine by me. I don't like either. Uh, they've both got too much drama, too much uh, kind of oppositional talking, um, and, but ultimately a massive letdown. Well, you know, okay, so again, we come back to what uh, Chinwat is trying to get us to think about, which is not to say that, um, you know, the the way sports can be played badly, right? With bad winners, like, you know, if you remember the bad boy, uh, John McEnroe from, I don't know, like, 30,000 years ago, you know, who would like throw his uh, racket on the, on, yeah. on the, you know, on the, the grounds and, 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 you know, and throw a tantrum, you know, it's not about that, right? So it's about saying, the, the core of sports is that it's rules-based, uh, that you respect the other side, that there's a culture around sports. And we, you know, the best culture around sports is that you are a gentleman. And this is uh, gendered, obviously, but okay. Uh, and the, the you respect, you're, it's civil and it's respectful. That's it. And you don't demonize. So how do you deem, so and if you take it in real life, politics today, how do you demonize a political party? Remember, Amno used to demonize the DAP as an existential threat to, mm. to the Malay community, to the nation. The DAP similarly demonized Amno as the most corrupt and vile and, you know, pernicious force in the country, uh, especially in the, you know, the latter years. Uh, how do you collaborate? And he's saying, well, if you stop talking in those ways... And you, in fact, find a, a possibility for um, commonality, 
And, and I think, and in and fact, that's what that, it is. that demonizing, we're seeing the impact of that, right? Because if we hear about how so many uh, voters were swayed to vote for Perikatan National, for instance, some of that came from the very rhetoric that AMNO had been pushing about uh, DAP, or vice versa, the rhetoric that uh, Pakatan Harapan had been pushing about AMNO. Um, and because now there's a, there's a mistrust on the part of the voters because they were like, oh, you demonize these people, but you're working with them now. How can I trust you? Well, th- there's another facet to it, which I think CK covers, CK says, I don't think we're playing by the same rules because there is a political party that accuses others like, if you don't support us, this equals to you being against the whole religion. And I think um, this gets to the very heart of this notion of existential threat. So how it is that we perceive political rhetoric and the effects that it can have. Because um, I, I've heard this. I think that this is something that people commonly say. Um, I don't know if it's something that we do enough interrogation of, though, whether we, we actually like kind of attack the, the premise of it sufficiently. I think all our listeners are right in the sense that in many ways they're describing how we play the game now, how mm. politics is now. What Chinua was talking about is the shift that needs to happen. Now, the, uh, the discussions today were about how do you enable, how do you encourage those shifts? So, yeah, so... Uh, Okay, I have a small problem with that premise. And um, I guess my question is this, and it's why I keep trying to bring it back to the notion of spectator sport. Um, Because based on interviews we've done, um, based on insiders that we've spoken to, among politicians many of them do have a sporting relationship. It's actually not necessarily them uh, that don't have a a shake hands and work together or uh, conversely, uh, well, okay, this is it. Um, You know, I'll I'll come back to compete another time, whatever. It's not necessarily the politicians who don't have that relationship. I think sometimes it's the electorate. So it's why I keep trying to talk about us because I'm not sure that we yeah, are like your there. like your team uh, fan analogy yes uh, because often the players may not have that acrimonious a relationship but if you're fans of opposing teams you can in fact get into deep arguments about who you think should win okay so that might be right so the question is if a political parties or coalitions like BN and PH start to cooperate. We're going to see them cooperate at at another level of the state elections that are coming up in a couple of months. Will that start to shift, one, the way they speak about others? Um, Will it uh, start to shape um, the way their uh, audiences or their their supporters also think about others who support the other team and so on? And how do we start to uh, to put those enabling structures in place? So one Junaidi, of course, from GPS um, in Sarawa, uh, talked about you know the investments that we need to make in uh, democratic infrastructure, and you know uh, much of the discussion today was um, also devoted to what um, uh, a loyal opposition would be. And so on that panel was Saifuddin Abdullah, now with Perikatan, formerly of Pakatan, uh, formerly of Amno, and. And, you know, um, with with that, it's like, okay, um, how do we say, for instance, uh, acknowledge the role of the opposition, fund them so that they can become better? I mean, not just, I mean, a lot of Malaysians say, oh, my God, they already have so much money. Why are we throwing more money at them? But because, you know, in, in an Australian uh, context or case that was given to us, it was about saying there are ways in which you incentivize the professionalization of of democratic politics, making sure that people are well paid and they do their work as well. And that recognition doesn't, you know, takes the wind out of this idea that it's a winner-take-all game. 
I actually love that point about the professionalizing of um, our politics. Um, and I think, again, a, a very there is a sports analogy there as well. Uh, we are essentially uh, talking about, well, exactly that. Should we be thinking about politics? Should politics be practiced, in fact, like sports? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back after this for more of your messages. So keep it here on the Evening Edition, BFM 89.9. Because friends matter. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. It is 5.52. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. And we're talking about uh, democracy, specifically holding in on an analogy that was brought up at the Deepening Democracy in Malaysia Roundtable that's currently going on. And so we're asking you, should we be thinking about politics like we think about sports? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, let's see. We do have a voice note that's come in. This is from Serene. Hello, BFM. Aren't we already doing that? Like looking at sports the same way we look at politics. The one with more money wins. Yeah. Okay. So um, again, I think coming back to what Chinmar was trying to um, to do as a kind of thought experiment, right? So he's and trying to encourage everybody to think differently about uh, our, our politics, including politicians, or maybe more uh, about the way politicians should think about politics. Um, but Surin, I, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of cynicism out there about how politics is and what money is. And of course, we know there's money in sports and all that. But that's not what he's trying to get. Remember, it's an analogy. It's not about sports as it really exists. It's about saying sports as it exists in the, insofar as we defined it as a rules-based competition where everybody has a stake in keeping all the players alive. We want everybody to alive so they play the next game and we play it in a sporting and gentlemanly way. Oh, actually, the other thing here is that uh, theoretically, if you are a strong competitor, not only do you want everyone to stay alive, but you actually want everybody to get good because um, yes, you know people yes. around you becoming better also makes you better and stronger because otherwise, you know, you're just... You're just going around whipping everybody 10-0 and then there's no fun in that. Which goes back to the professionalization of the field that Sharad was talking about earlier because now, okay, wherever you stand on amateur versus professional sport, professionalizing the field in general also means that there is more for everyone to partake in, that it elevates the entire sport uh, to a certain level. Um, and I certainly think that that's something we can talk about when it comes to politics, because um, cre introducing that element of treating politics and being a politician as a, a professional job, I think is very important. Right. So one of the books that was uh, actually referred to at the today was something called How Democracies Dies, a 2018 book by Stephen Levitsky and Daniel Ziblatt. Uh, and what was really important was drawn was that why democracies, why we see reversals in democracy, going back to the democratic recession discussion earlier, is that there's an erosion in democratic norms and a willingness to exploit weaknesses in institutions. We saw that over the last 
last four years, right? When Parliament was shuttered, when, you know, there was a promise that we would go virtual with Parliament and we never did, right? So this, so you could see that our system has weaknesses. One Junaid was very good at t- telling us that all the laws that need to be enacted to strengthen Parliament and parliamentary democracy that still haven't been done, you know. Um, and you can see who are the players in the Malaysian field willing to exploit those weaknesses for their own advantage and who are who are working to strengthen those institutions so that everybody plays on a level playing field. So uh, I I like these two analogies uh, that have come in basically comparing things to actual sports. So we've been trying to kind of, uh, what is it? temper the mood a little bit, talking about keeping people alive. Zaki, not having any of it. Politics is like sport, a blood sport. Losers, sorry, uh, losers leave the ring. (laughs) There is drama. Blood sport is a dramatic word inherently. Uh, Losers leave the ring bloodied and bruised. Perhaps it's best to turn politics into a form of sacrifice. You get all the perks, but the minute you screw up, a blood sacrifice is required. Wow, that escalated to Game of Thrones level, didn't it? <laughs> well, okay, let me also add on and say uh, Lee Jun says, politics are sports. It depends on which sport we're talking about. Football is full of fouls, diving, play acting and rolling on the ground, uh, kicking ball, uh, i.e. your own responsibility into the opponent's net. So yes, politics resembles football. Okay, this was an analogy used in a specific context to illuminate uh, the question of where we need to go. So, again, one of the things that's animating this discussion, you know, um, that, uh, this roundtable, is the fact that we uh, uh, had a hung parliament and we're likely to have hung parliaments in the future. What do we do with a highly fragmented political landscape where cooperation is essential? So... TIDJ is saying, how most of the commentators are talking about this issue is why Malaysia's political environment will not mature anytime soon. People are missing the argument of sportsmanship, the essence behind it. But they're harping on how perverse the sports environment is in current times. Can we as people take responsibility for our part in hindering politics maturing? And can we not start looking at bigger pictures instead of obsessing over granular issues? Oh, I love you, TIDJ. (laughs) (laughs) You put it so well. Yes, and and I think that this is, in essence, what we've been trying to get at. That, yes, um, the way we talk about, think about, look about, participate as people in sports does matter. But the the essence uh, of sportsmanship, as you put it, is actually what we've been uh, trying to get at. And and I think that it can be a complicated argument, partly because for for a lot of us, the I do feel like we have been stuck in... How do I put this? Corruption is a good thing to talk about. It's important that we highlight it. It's important that we discuss it openly. But I think it's become a little bit of a scapegoat in our political conversations where we easily default to money politics. Nothing can be fair. And and sometimes that, that ends up not furthering us along in the way we should. So we are running out of time, but we will be picking up at least the conversation on democracy tomorrow because we'll have uh, more conversations coming to you from the Deepening Democracy in Malaysia roundtable that's currently happening. Uh, Do keep your thoughts coming. Should we be thinking about politics like we think about sports? You can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. Keep it here. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.